Welcome to the Optimize Your Capacity Podcast. Our goal is to help individuals as well as health and fitness professionals enhance their capacity and reach their untapped potential. We aim to have the listener leave with practical advice they can apply today. Hey everybody, today on the podcast we have Carol Krakovic Mack. She's a physical therapist, strength coach, and she's the owner of Cleveland Sports PT and Performance in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I got to meet Carol, gosh, a few years back, probably over five years ago during a sports physical therapy fellowship. One of the stops I made was at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio, which is this really awesome, massive scale hospital that also has physical therapy and really a top level uh, sports PT component to their clinic there. And so I got to meet her and kind of pick her brain when I was there and we've kind of kept in touch since. Um, her background is she went to, uh, Duquesne University, doctoral physical therapy program. She graduated in 2006. She did play, uh, college soccer as well. She's a board certified specialist in sports physical therapy. Uh, she really works with a lot of soccer athletes, female athletes, and runners. She's also a certified strength and conditioning coach and a precision nutrition level one certified coach. She serves as a physical therapist and performance coach for Beaumont School Athletics. She's a distant coach for Fleet Feet Sports uh, in Cleveland, and she's a consultant to local yoga studios. She's recently finished up her second term as the chair of Academy American Academy of Sports Physical Therapy's Female Athlete Special Interest Group. She now serves as a vice chancellor of educational programming. She's also a member of the U.S. Olympic Committee volunteer medical staff. Um, lots going on. She wears a lot of different hats, but in a good way, I think she's done an awesome job of blending kind of the rehab side of thing and training side of things. She's really gone out on a limb and realized there are some gaps with the current healthcare model insurance based practice and has opened up her own hybrid practice of a blend again of training and rehab. And so she has a lot of insight. She, we kind of go about discussing some principles of training the female athlete. We do a little breakdown of rehab and training of runners versus CrossFit athletes. Even though there's completely different demands of the sport, there's a lot of similarities in how you manage and train these athletes because they work so hard and train so hard. Um, we're going to go over a little bit of the APTA, some general clinical things as well. Um, I really hope you enjoy the discussion. One of the issues with the discussion, just to give you a heads up, is we did have some technical difficulties, so there is a little bit of uh, some choppiness to it, so I apologize for that, but still hope you get a lot of good info out of it. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Give us any other feedback. We're always up for suggestions, and I hope you enjoy. All right, Carol. Thanks so much for taking the time to sit down and talk. I'm kind of excited to talk about a whole bunch of different things from the clinic and practice you're running to training the athlete to sports PT, but just give us a little rundown of who you are, where you got to where you're at, kind of your little background, if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I've been a PT since 2006 and, um, I played college soccer, so I've always kind of been involved in, you know, sports, um, training was always kind of a special interest of mine as well. So I, while I was in PT school, I interned with, um, Duquesne, the college I went to, their strength and conditioning department, ended up sitting for my CSCS, um, my strength and conditioning certification, and then kind of wanted to blend the two of those throughout my career. So I um, 
worked at Cleveland Clinic, got a job there right out of college and worked there for about nine years and then started my own business in 2015. And okay. it's, it will be four years on Halloween, which I guess is oh, wow. yeah, coming up. So Yeah, that's like a legit business. If you've made it over at least one year, that's congrats. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> so I, I know you wear like other hats. What kind of other roles you, do you play? So With, um, one's okay. like the high school thing we were talking about. So tell me what you do there. Yes. So I, um, I've run basically I'm kind of coordinating all the sports medicine for it's, it's an all girl high school. So we don't have football. I don't, I mean, we have but four, five sports in the fall, two sports in the winter, three sports in the spring. Um, I'm in the training room taking care of injuries, taping kids. I'm on the sideline of games, all of our home games. And then I'm also the uh, head of sports performance there. So I get to kind of spend time between the weight room and the training room. Okay. And then what's like your, PT performance practice setup, or how does how does that work? Yeah, so that is um, and that the high school is kind of just an arm of the practice. Yeah. So the way that my practice is is I operate out of two gyms. So I see clients okay. during the day um, at two different gyms. I just have two locations that I've kind of contracted out with, and then um, I just see clients. It's a combination of sports performance and PT. So we see. 60 minute sessions working on just a combination of either end stage rehab or training. I have a, quite a few clients that actually may have had, you know, multiple injuries or chronic pain or issues like that. And they come in um, for a training session, just workouts mm-hmm. kind of under my guidance, just to yeah. feel like they can trust me just from my background as a PD. So I have a combination of all those things. And then just, curious business-wise are those like separate do you bill those or charge those differently or is that all just like one session is one session regardless of your whatever your profile it's a good it's a good question i as of now because i've played around with this um as of last spring it's one session is one session and so i'll do package deals where you know if they buy four sessions i can cut down the price a little bit yeah. Before I used to do a separate charge, um, an hour of PT was a little bit more than an hour of training, and I've, I've yeah. gone away from that. I just yeah. feel like there's such a blend anyway with what I do that it's it was so hard to say, okay, this is a sports performance session. You know, somebody's coming in and asking me an injury question. Yeah, just yeah, it's all better. Yeah. And then did I see too that you do online training as well, or like is that something you're building, or what's what's that side? Yeah, that's something I'm building. I, you know, it's funny. I thought that that would be a, a bigger draw than it is. And, yeah. and there's quite a few people that I thought just distance wise would be better online and they tend to want to meet in person more often than not. So yeah. it's, it is an option, but I, it's, it's pretty rare. I'm, I'm more trying to just do an in-person session. Yeah. I do, um, I do a lot of check-ins with clients though, in between uh, sessions. So sometimes I'll work with somebody and it's more of like an injury management thing. And it's like, you know, once every two weeks, I will set up a call in between there, Skype or even over email or text check-ins um, mm-hmm. that way. So there is a little bit of an online element kind of built in there, but it's, it's mostly in person. So totally appreciate and respect like your model that you have. How'd you end up there out of the, where you, what was your setting before, I guess? I was in um, sports medicine, uh, mm-hmm. but at a large hospital, large teaching hospital yeah. system. So it was high volume patients. I mean, it was a great te- teaching opportunity. Yeah. I had surgeons, physicians yeah. all around, great collaboration. But um, it just, 
I wanted to be on the community more. So I, I felt like there was kind of this big disconnect between, you know, athlete gets injured, athlete has to leave their team. They have to go to their, you know, the team's practicing and they're off at a physical therapy clinic. And not that there's anything wrong. It just, yeah. to me, seemed like a bit of a disconnect. And then there were so many things that were insurance driven, you know, a lot of the end stage rehab that I like to do or injury prevention programs are starting to get cut out because yeah. of insurance. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Do you have like competition in the area for like the model that you have? Is that popular in Cleveland? To be honest, it's pretty unique. I mean, there's, yeah, there's a imagine. couple of cash based practices yeah. and, um, we have kind of a nice network of just because a lot of us are solo and, just it's a good kind of idea sharing sometimes because you know when you're out on your own you can you know (laughs) you can be kind of lonely sometimes but um mine is pretty unique in that i have so many the the biggest basis of my practice is just relationships with different people so whether it's or different community kind of uh, wellness companies businesses teams i mean whether it's the gyms that i um that I operate out of just having a relationship with them and their clients and their trainers there. Um, the high school, I work with a running group, a yoga studio. Um, so some of the other cash based clinics are more just uh, a PT clinic that is cash based. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so then do you think you started to develop like a niche? Is there like a common demographic that you're seeing or is there something that you're trying to build or where are you at on that side? I mean, it's really, I'd like to work with anybody who's active and anybody yeah. who is, you know, has goals. So I, it is kind of all over the place. And I've, I've always kind of been um, like, I've always had a background in soccer. I've always had a background working with female athletes. So the, the high school I work with kind of lends itself to that um, through my business, just other opportunities have come up and, and they've kind of gone with my mission of just being out there in the community and being able to kind of champion people who like to stay active. So that's kind of how the running group came about. That's kind of how the yoga um, group came about. CrossFit's another population I work with as well. So it just, I think just once you're out there, more and more people, you know, there's kind of networking and more and more yeah. people just start yeah. to reach out to you and then kind of builds from there. Yeah. So I know, yeah, one of your interests or something that you're talented at is the whole training the female athlete in rehab. I know you speak nationally about it. Obviously, you have experience being a female athlete, but when you teach or educate about it, do you like have pillars or how do you approach your methodology to the the female athlete compared to any other demographic? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's the obvious, the you know, menstrual cycle. There's yeah. um, you know, pregnancy, postpartum. So all of those things come into play. But a lot of it, you know, it's depending on age group and just kind of meeting them where they're at. So with female athletes, I tend to work with them kind of throughout the lifespan. So whether it's more, you know, the adolescent and teenagers and just getting them to buy in and be able to be open to me about, you know, either they're not, not only just things like menstrual cycle, but like stress levels. And because I think some of that plays into their injury recovery too. And I think, you know, that happens, that happens in males too, but um, that's kind of more from the way I approach it is let me just have you trust me, buy in, let me meet you where you're at. You know, adults um, with some of the running population, like I've had a couple situations with um, women who are mothers and, you know, either coming back after having a child or family stress and trying to, you know, they're 
trying to cram in a 20 mile run because they're training for a marathon and then they're trying to get to their kids cross country meet right on the way. <laughs> so I think, you know, all those life things that, yes, yes. that they, you know, both males and females go through, but I'll just kind of understanding where they're coming from, because I think that really is a huge play in how they rehab or how they're able to train. Um, those are other stressors that are going to affect it one way or another. Do you see like common shortcomings or things that, you know, a provider misses and you're like, gosh, how did they miss this? Or I think the fact that I can spend so much time with the athletes I work at, I think it just lends itself to being able to pick up on little things. Um, so I, I do, and a lot of it I think has to do with like stress level, sleep, recovery, all of those things um, that people just may not have time to ask. Do you think but, like there's some research that shows like even menstrual cycle laxity that sometimes occurs with that has an interrelation with like ACL or ligamentous injuries? Do you think that or believe that or have you ever seen that come up in the evidence? It's a good question. I am I'm honestly on the I well. I was on the fence about it up until probably yeah. last this past summer. Um, I yeah. think only because of the fact that it's so hard to study. So I know that there has to be a role um, just because there, there is an increased, you know, link to lig- ligamentous laxity, just the hormones do have an effect on that. And we see it with pregnancy. Um, we actually don't see it in pregnancy until about the third trimester of the first child um, or second pregnancy. It comes up um, a lot quick. So we, we know that there is some link. Um, the problem is it's just so hard to study just because of different athletes and birth control and variability cycles and all those things. So I don't know that we're going to get, um, a great answer at any time, at least in the next five, 10 years. That being said, um, some really interesting, uh, data is coming out from the U S women's, uh, soccer team over the summer because they actually ended up, um, tracking their cycles and individualizing training and recovery and even nutrition down to what um, part of their cycle they were at. Um, and obviously, I mean, great results winning the World yeah, Cup, whether yeah. it was because of that or just because of their training <laughs> methods or, or yeah. you know, whatever. But um, that was kind of fast. And the more that's coming out with that, I don't know if that's just kind of jumpstarting things again or it's it's very interesting to me. At least. Yeah, yeah. Um do you find pushback when you like talk about this with female athletes, like especially like an adolescent athlete? Or are they receptive to conversing? That's a good. It it depends on the person. I mean, yeah. and, and a lot of it's in establishing trust. Like I don't come right out on the gate, like yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. hey, preseason couple of friends that are gonna start playing basketball on Friday. Like, hey, tell yeah. me about how you know. But it is something that if if I can ask them, them, um. I can just ask a question and, and I kind of face this probably differently for everyone, you know, like tell me about how you're feeling or like, you know, do you have cramps or yes. when was, you, there's so many different ways you can kind of go there with somebody that yeah, it's I, my hope is that it's less clinical and more just personable and getting them to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know you have, you're seeing clients, patients who do, kind of two two ends of the spectrum, but I think there's a lot of carryover between them. So one would be your your runner, your distance runner. The other would be your CrossFit athlete. I think CrossFit ends up getting a bad rap, especially in the PT world as being like where you go to get injured, but actually evidence has shown that you actually probably get injured just as much, if not more, running. Um, 
but I, I would be interested to just kind of compare the two sports and just see how you go about training and assessing these athletes. So when it would say like a CrossFit athlete comes in the clinic, do you have like a CrossFit testing series you do, or do you just get their subjective and you're whatever, watching them do the overhead squat that they say they aren't too good at, or how do you approach the intake of like a CrossFit athlete? Um, for the CrossFit athlete, it's, it's individualized more to what they're having pain with. Yeah. So let's say, let's say it's a, you know, issue and they're having pain with overhead squatting. I'm going to look at, you know, their shoulder mobility. I'm going to look at that thoracic spine. I'm also going to look at shoulder stability. Um, but then the other thing is, and I'm going to put them through more of those movements. Um, yeah. to be honest, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm probably going to look at their full, I'm going to look at their squatting mechanics to look at their, I mean, with a move like an yeah. overhead squat, you really yeah. have a lot at play there. Um, the other thing I'm going to look at is their load and their volume and their intensity. So just with CrossFit, that constant variable variability of movements and the intensity. I mean, some gyms do it really well where they're able to, you know, kind of as a, as a week is laid out, maybe one day is very lower body heavy, maybe one day is more of a skills day. But a lot of that has to play into how they're feeling or how they're what's the aggravating factor. So I'm going to look at all those. And with CrossFit, you have to, I, I feel like you have to be pretty individualized just because it is so variable and there's just so many different factors at play. It's, is it a heavy lift or are you having pain? Is it, you have an endurance problem or, you know, just a, so I'm, I'm going to ask a lot of questions objectively yeah. just about when they're getting pain, what they're feeling, what their history has been, that kind of thing. Um, with running, it's a little more clear cut still has to take an effect you know what's their training like are you training yeah. for half or full i mean are, have you done a lot of hill workouts those kinds of things but running it can be a little bit more kind of streamlined in my in my approach yeah yeah um for like the running athlete are you doing video analysis like how do you approach like the gate side of it obviously you hopefully have them run at some point and watch them run right if that's what's causing pain um but like, what's your basic gait analysis look like? Yeah, I um, I use an iPad and I use I use Coach's Eye. Yeah. I don't, do you do you do much gait analysis? Do you is there anything? I do. do yeah, use? yeah. So we use, I think it's called like Huddle Technique or something like that. But yeah, it's just like Coach's Eye, just a different app. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, then I'm, are you getting super detailed and breaking down the like mechanics for people? Or are you more just giving them like one highlight to focus on? Or, I mean, coaching gait can be complex and hard for people to grasp. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, I will get detailed in the breakdown with them. Um, just because I, I think a lot of the runners I work with, they do they, in a cool way. They want to know like every little detail, which is, is great. I mean, I think they're, they're all very in tune with their bodies and that's part of why I like working with that population. Um, you know, same with CrossFit too, but yeah. I, but I will caution them that we only pick one thing at a time to work on with gait. And I want to make sure that that's correlating with their symptoms. So, you know, even if I'm seeing like, you know, a foot pronating or, a you know, a, some kind of crossover gait, or if they're a heavy heel striker, I want to, if, if that's not correlating with the pain that they're feeling, I may not be messing with that too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do tell them that, you know, it takes, it, it can take a really long time to retrain gait. <laughs> you're probably familiar with. And it yeah. can be very, really frustrating for people. So, I mean, it's, you know, 
we're going to work on one thing. We're going to work on it for a couple of weeks. You don't have to work on it for every run. Maybe use intervals. Like if you run with music, we're going to go one song on, a couple songs off, or just okay. something that you, yeah. I, I don't want to take away their enjoyment of the run. I mean, if they're in horrible pain and it, you know, that's maybe we can have to do more things to kind of yeah. modify, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I just, they need to understand that it's not an easy, we're retraining a habit that they've had for, you know, God knows how long. Yeah. I think another thing with both these populations is load management, rest, and when it's kind of okay to push through it and when it's not. So if you have a CrossFit athlete going into a standard PT clinic, I'm not trying to call anyone out, but if you do and they say stop doing CrossFit, right, they're never going to go back to that PT very likely. Uh, so how do you, let's just maybe come up with a scenario. Let's say you have someone with low back pain and they're always getting for the CrossFit athlete, low back pain with presses and squats and different things like that. How do you go about initiating that conversation or handling the pain and load management and rest conversation with both these difficult populations? Yeah. Um, the first thing is, cause I agree with you. I think that's, yeah. that's central to, to both populations. Cause in, more often than not, they'll push through anything. And it's just, so first thing is, you know, asking those questions, how much sleep are you getting? What's your stress level like? All those things. And, and can we tweak any of those in, in there? Um, the next thing is I'll ask them what, the, what they were planning on. Like, what, what was your week? What were you hoping to do next week? So what's your training plan for running? When is the race? You know, those kinds of things. Um, or CrossFit, sometimes the, the gyms will post workouts ahead of time. If not, it makes it a little more difficult, but then what I'll do is I'll kind of work backwards and I'll take kind of the obvious things that I know are going to be triggers. So if it's low back pain and it's like a very heavy, you know, if it's going to be like a heavy lift day, I'll see if we can kind of modify from there. But my, my goal is to keep them to peel back a little bit enough. That's going to make a difference in, in change and help their recovery, but not so much that it's going to, you know, affect their, so I don't want to pull them. I don't ever want to pull anybody out completely. So yeah, yeah. if we can modify one or two moves, if we need to modify that whole workout, you know, whatever we need to do in terms of CrossFit, we can do that. Um, with running, sometimes it's a little easier. We can kind of just tweak their mileage or tweak their training or maybe cross train for two short runs during the week and then gear up for the long run. And that goes. Yeah. For, for running, what are your variables that you're maybe tweaking? So distance, speed, do you have other things that you're like – getting subjectively and using to help build their program. A lot of runs with things that may be aggravated, either glute, hip pain. Yeah. Um, that would be aggravated by hill work, high hamstring, um, tendon issues, those kinds of things. So that tends to be a factor. Um, speed work, recovery, some, so, and then just training volume. So sometimes we'll have, um, with, with the group that I work with in particular, they will have like one speed day a week, but then they'll have like an easy recovery run after that. Sometimes, though, that gets thrown out the window, like, let's say, I don't know, like tonight, actually, for an mm -hmm. example, I'm obviously I'm not there. Um, there's a pub run. So like a, a local brewery has a brewery run. So maybe we had somebody do speed work, but then they decided they want to go with their friends and do this five mile run the day after. Yeah. Um, so it's it's volume in terms of that, too. And then um, intensity level. So are, are you going like what we would call easy run pace? Are you going? are you going hard because you got caught with your friend that's running a seven minute mile and you're a nine minute mile and you think you're going easy pace, but you're yeah. wanting to have a conversation with them. Like that happens more often than not. <laughs> uh, I think we've all probably fallen into yeah. that too. So okay. you know, all uh -huh. those things. 
for the the CrossFit athlete, have you found you can get like perspective views of what they're doing that week? I don't like CrossFit boxes don't do that, do they? Like you'll know what they're doing this coming Wednesday. Like it's all pretty random, right? Like it's got it's um, harder to manage their upcoming load. It is. It is. It's. Yeah. I mean, the gym that I that I actually work out at. Yeah, yeah. We only post. Um. We post the night before. Although I, it's very easy to talk to our our head of programming is awesome. So yeah. I can say like, what are you doing for that coming week? Yeah. I have had a couple clients at other gyms that they actually will post like oh, really? on Sunday for the week. Yeah, which makes my job so much easier. <laughs> um, and I and I found that out by accident too because I was kind of how you thought like, oh, we're we're not going to know until the night before. And the client yeah. said, no, I've got it. Let me check it out on my phone now. So, um, yeah, that does make it a lot easier. In that case, so when I don't know, I'm either giving them kind of general guidelines, like let's, if it's a heavy lift day, you know, this is what I want you to do. I want you to change your sets or it's an easy phone call to that gym too. I mean, I, I always like building relationships and I yeah. I think it's, it's kind of nice to be able to have those other coaches understand we're not trying to take their athlete away from them. Like I, you know, if we can all put our heads together and, and sometimes those coaches are noticing something that I'm missing because I'm not, you know, physically at that gym. Yeah. And it's just good to get their insight too. So back to the running person, how far out do you go or how detailed do you get building? Do you do like a full marathon training program? Or are you doing like week long blocks? Like how in depth do you get on like managing their training? So I work with um, a local running store and I work with their training program. So they have a training plan already okay. um, written out. So then in terms of like my modifications, I like to go week to week. Um, so let's get in. And, and sometimes even as it gets closer to race day, I'll even go day to day or every other day um, where I'll have them either just text or email me because I'd rather know, you know, okay, we have this plan for you to do this long run. Oh, you're not feeling that great. Like maybe let's cut it back by a couple miles or let's, you know, I, I would rather know. Um, sometimes there's so many variabilities. Yeah. yeah. So many variables there. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, that's great. Um, so just to change subjects a little bit, is talking about the sports physical therapy section and some interesting things going on there. So what is your and what is your involvement with the sports physical therapy section? So I was I just finished a term. I was the head of the female. So we end up in in every section is a little bit different, but the way the sports section is is um, people members of the sports section have, you know, ideas for programming for the, the conference and they will submit them. So we are in charge of kind of coordinating the reviewers for those. Um, I don't make any decisions about who gets in and who gets out. Yeah. So if anybody's yeah, listening yeah. and they didn't get in, it's not me. <laughs> don't ask me. Um, yeah. yeah. I did get a lot of emails when, when there were rejections. And I was telling <laughs> the truth when I told them it's, um, it's driven by the special interest groups. Okay. So those are the reviewers. So what we encourage um, through the sports section is if you want to present, contact whatever special interest group. So is it sports performance, knee, hip, um, or would be kind of related to your topic and just have, get their insight and get their kind of, because they're going to be the reviewers in the long run. Okay. So we coordinate all that um, in the late spring and then after that, it's a matter of like sending out speaker contracts, um, assigning rooms at the convention center, rooms, uh, making sure there's no conflicts with other sections. Yeah. One speaker may present, you know, an ortho 
and then they might present in sports. Um, and now we're in the process of like ordering food for meetings and pre-cons. So it's really <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it, it goes the whole spectrum of like, yeah. is what's the educational content of this section to, or the session to, um, do we need cheese at the, you know, yeah. award ceremony? So, yeah. yeah. Um, so like, how do you, how have you seen it grow in the last five to 10 years? I feel like it's made some really good strides and just like, the content they're providing, the speakers they're getting, like what kind of positive changes have you seen recently? And then like, where do you hope it continues to go in the future? Um, you know, last at the last meeting, our, uh, our president, Walt Jenkins had, I, he gave a speech that I thought was really inspiring. And he just talked yeah. about, you know, do like, you've talked about, you know, do what you feel is going to be the best and to move our, our section forward. Now it actually changed over. It's the Academy of sports, physical therapy. Yeah, now they're going that. the rebrand. Yeah. I keep calling it the sports section. <laughs> <Yeah>. accidentally. <laughs> um, but, but what he said was, you know, we will support you and we want to move our profession forward and this kind of subspecialty of it. And, and I thought that was just really nice of, you know, practice how you want to practice. Just thinking yeah. about like myself coming from the, background in the way that, you know, the unconventional way that I practice, um, I'm sure, you know, how you practice is the fact that they're not, they want us to be creative. They want us to, you know, use evidence-based practice and they want us to, you know, continue to do those things and serve our athletes in the best way we can. I love that energy. There's also a huge education initiative to do more um, sports education in colleges so hmm. the push for that, I think, is awesome because, I mean, I was lucky enough to have two great um, sports-minded professors at my school, but, I mean, I don't know that that's always the case everywhere. Yeah. So Yeah. So if there's aspiring young professional who wants to get more involved, either speaking or in just the section in general, what's your recommendation there? I would say go to CSM. They're, um, at both conferences, there's something called Teammates where they you, you can pair um, – of an established member of the section with a rookie, they call them rookies. They're either yeah. new graduates or college um, students. So that's an easy way. I mean, you literally are going to something and getting paired up with somebody. It's like the yeah. easiest introduction you can never have to be <laughs> part of. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so kind of going back, I guess more into the profession in general, I feel like, especially like sports PT orthopedics, definitely like MD orthopedics. Uh, it's just a very male dominated world. Do you find that stereotype? Do you have like difficulties being a educated, skilled female sports PT? Is that like a hurdle? I have to be honest. I, in the amount of years I've been out at this point, yeah. I've only had really one issue with it. Um, yeah. which has been great. Like I've That's never awesome. really, yeah, I can't say that I've ever had an issue. Um, yeah. it was one time where I was, I used to be co-director of our residency program. We had a sports PT residency program and, um, I was trying to hire a female resident and I was told flat out she's female. We can't have her in the locker room of a professional sports team. No. Yeah. Um, and I've, and I really pushed for her and we ended up hiring her and she was awesome. Um, yeah. and, I, but I think that was the first time that my eyes were really open. Like, wait a minute here. Yeah, I've yeah. been working for how many years at this point? And I've worked with other professional athletes and it's never, you know, nobody's ever said that to my face. Like, why 
<laughs> I've yeah, never had an issue. Why are we having an issue with hiring somebody that's going to do a, a fantastic job? Um, and she ended up, she was a great resident. So um, otherwise, I've I've not had an issue. I've, I guess I'm yeah. pretty lucky. That's good. It's good. Uh, so again, similar question to like get involved in the APTA. You, there's tons of amazingly talented future women PT out there. Is your advice then just to get as talented and skilled and educated as possible and just network? Or how do you recommend a female getting involved in the sports PT world? I think in the exactly like you said, just you know, build your skills as much as you can. Build your craft as much as you can. Don't be afraid to go to meetings, even if it's a, a room full of males. I um, mean, you know, your voice is just as important. And if if you have that that training and knowledge, you have something great to say. And you know, I I think a lot, especially in in the past couple of years in the sports sec, um, in the sports academy, um, it has been. It, there there are quite a few females that are doing Good. great things, and it, it is pretty accepting. Um, so I. This is a this is a great time, I think, to be a female and to take on a leadership role. Yeah, I get asked a lot of times, like, you know, how do you how do I get more involved in sports or how do I work with athletes? And I think one of the big things is just like spending your free time shadowing other providers, even if that's a strength coach or a personal trainer or obviously a PT. Um, one, you get to learn from them, but the second is just like you're hinting at, it's just like the networking is is huge. If it is a personal trader and you're hanging out with them and learning how they do it, I guarantee you'll get a patient or a client from them in the future and it kind of organically develops and you get this athlete-based. Everybody always just wants like something quick, like what book do I read or what course do I take to become a sports PT? And it takes more time and effort than that. Uh, <laughs> and you've probably experienced the same. Um, so then... <clears throat> One more question back into like the the PT model you're in. Um, how how often do you see people? How for how long do you see people? Do you set expectations at the first visit? Because again, if you go to the we'll just call it the Joe's PT shop, you know their standard is you're coming in two or three times a week for six to eight weeks, and they have a ten thousand dollar deductible that they're chipping away as they do that. What's like your patient education on visit frequency in your clinic and like, yeah, how do you approach that? Yeah, more often than not, I, I do tell people up front that I, I see them for an hour at a time and then, you know, I, I can get away with because of that. I can see them probably every other week in, in somebody yeah. that's good at managing them themselves and I will give them a pretty detailed plan. And then as I mentioned, I, I do those check-ins. So if it's somebody that's not coming back for like two or three weeks, uh -huh. um, I'm going to be texting them, talking to them at least once a week. How's it going? Can we stick with the plan? Are we not? So they have the understanding of you're spending a little more time with me, you know, per session, but it is going to be different than that twice a week for four weeks, you know, come in for half an hour at a time. Um, we're going to be managing a whole lot of other things, including, you know, it's not just exercises, it's managing your training load and all the details about what you're doing. What's your that biggest, means, sorry to interrupt. What's your biggest like selling point there? to get them to like jump on your, your bus. Is it's it the one-on-one -on -one time or well, yeah, what, what gets people? It's, it's the one-on-one -on -one time and it's the, um, like we're going to keep you in your, your sport as much as possible. So we're going to give you a, a detailed training plan. It's going to be individualized to you. 
you've got one-on-one time, you've got, you know, access to me in between sessions. So, you know, if you go for a run and it falls apart, you know, I, I want to know about it right away. We don't have to wait until you come in next week or later that week, or, you know, you're not leaving a voicemail and, you know, hopefully getting a call back, like you're going to get a response. So, yeah. And I think almost what you're hinting at there is the like concept of bridging the gap between like rehab and, and training. Do you, do you, how do you do that? Do you start the first half of the session, maybe doing some more of the rehabby stuff and then transition into picking up a weight or doing something more functional or what are your sessions like in that aspect? Doing anything that's kind of more of specific injury treatment. So if there is some kind of, you know, manual thing or mobility or, you know, whatever it is, and then yeah, moving into as much as a workout as possible or, you know, whether it's giving somebody an idea about how to cross train or building their rehab exercises into a cross training workout. I mean, just something to kind of keep them active and make them engaged. Yeah, <laughs> it can be kind of boring, especially if somebody's active and like loves to get a workout and then they're coming in and it's just, okay, we're going to do this stretch. Like I, I really want to make sure that it's more interesting. <laughs> yeah. And it's again, to the other model, there's no way that if you're only in there for 20 to 30 minutes, that you're going to have the time to accomplish all that. I don't care how talented of a clinician you are. Yeah. Um, so last and last and final question that I always ask everybody is the whole idea with this podcast is ways to optimize your capacity or improve your performance. What's something that you're working on either in life or work that you're trying to get better at and spending your free time on? So I've been doing a lot from a standpoint and then also for a, um, a learning standpoint. So I just finished a uh, course by um, the, there's a sports psychologist, uh, Michael Gervais. He works with yeah. the uh, Seattle Seahawks and um, P- he teamed up with Pete Carroll, who's mm-hmm. also coaches Seahawks. Yeah. And they, it's an online course. It's called the uh, compete to create. So I signed up for it just thinking like, this is a good way to spend, you know, it's an online course. I can do it on my own time. And, um, it, it was a game changer. Like I can't believe it. And it's skills that I've been able to use with my athletes, um, just in terms of stress management, breathing, visualization, all those things. And then like, I've, it's been awesome. Even just for myself, like it's, it's, that's awesome. Been a game changer. Say the, say the name of the court or course again. It was called compete to create. Okay. Okay. I have to look it up and I'll, I'll list it as well, but that's awesome. Um, well, great. Well, thanks for taking the time. Definitely. I'm excited to hear about how well things are going and it's good to catch up and I'll make sure I keep in touch, but I know you're busy, so I really appreciate you making the time. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me on. It's good to, it's good to catch up with you yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Take care. Thanks. You too, Nick. Yeah. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Our goal is to help individuals like you learn practical knowledge you can apply today. If you want more information about how you can improve your capacity, visit our website at capacitypt.com. We have tons of info, including blogs, exercise videos, ebooks, and more. We're soon to offer services such as mentorship for clinicians and trainers, as well as online rehab and training. Stay tuned. If you liked this episode, it would mean the world to us to leave a review. Again, our goal is to help and influence as many people as possible, and the best way to do that is through word of mouth. Leave us a review, tell your friends about it, shoot us an email with your feedback. We wish everybody the best. Expand your capacity.